Yes, 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 people. Though the BFI London Film Festival is in full swing, you still get your weekly dose of Echo Chamber, baby. And we're going to start off as we do with the UK box office top 10 for the week of end of the 29th of September to the 1st of October. So at number 10 this week is Dumb Money. This is from Craig Gillespie and written by Lauren Shuka-Bloom, Rebecca Angelo and Ben Mesrich. Okay, it is starring Clancy Brown, Shailene Woodley, America Ferreira, Vincent D'Onofricchio, Seth Rogen, Sebastian Stan, Paul Dano, right? At number nine is The Old Oak. This is the new Ken Loach joint, which is written by Paul Laverty. The film stars Elba Marie and Dave Turner. So we then go to our number eight film of the week, which we looked at uh, two, three weeks ago, right? It's Expendables Four. This is from Scott War, written by Kurt Wimmer, Tad Daggerhart, and Max Adams, starring Jason Statham, Sylvester Stallone, Dolph Lundgren, Randy Couture, right? Iko Uwaias, Tony Ja, Megan Fox, Fifty Cent, and all of them's right. So, um, yeah, now we are at number seven, and, um, yeah, this is a remaster 4K edition of, right, Stop Making Sense, the, um, the, the, the concert film of the Talking Heads, right, directed by Jonathan Demi. So uh, then, people, at number six, we have got A Little Life. So that is a theatre showing of a play. All right, so we are in our top five, and at number five, it's The Equalizer Free, you know, from Antonone Farouk, written by Richard Wenk. Michael Sloan and Richard Lindheim, starring Denzel Washington, Dakota Benning, David Demin, Gia Scolarello, Remo Guillon. All right, at number four, it is the number two. Michael Chaves takes the camera, it's run by Akella Cooper, Richard Naring, and Ian Goldberg. So it's starring Taziza Farmiga, Jonas Bluquet, Storm Reed, Anna Popplewell, Bonnie Arios. Right at number three, it's a haunting in Venice. Right, Kenneth Branagh's new Hercule Poirot joint, written by Michael Green, starring Branagh, Michelle Yeoh, Jamie Dorman, Tina Fey. Amir El Masi. Right at number two, it is the latest 
iteration of Saw. Saw X. This is directed by Kevin Griant, written by Peter Goldfinger and Josh Stolberg, starring Tobin Bell, Shawnee Smith, Sinova Makadi Lund, Stephen Brand, Riata Vaca, and Michael Beach. So the number one film this week. It is Gareth Edwards, the creator. Edwards directs and co-writes with Chris Weitz. The film stars John David Washington, Gemma Chan, Ken Watanabe, Sturgill Simpson, and Alison Janney. Right, so that is the top 10. This week, we've got five films for you people. So let's get it so let's get things started with a new netflix joint it is nowhere okay so nowhere it is a new uh new film on netflix right netflix original directed by albert pinto written by by Miguel Ruiz, Ernst Riera, um, Teresa de Rosendo, Sienna Winslow, and India Lister. It is produced by Miguel Ruiz, executive produced by Juan Mayan, uh, Judy Roca. Ogat, associate produced by Ernst Riera, and line produced by Isrodo Teresa. Frank Monstal and Lucas Pierre handled the music. Unax Min Mendia was on cinematography. Miguel Borgos, editing duties. Well, you got Carla Hull and Natalia Rodriguez handling casting. Production design is Didiac Bono. Art direction is Mark Estrugo. Hair and makeup, we got Ing Prada Nibs and Carol Tomararia. Our cast, well, um, we got Mia played by Anna Castillo and Nico played by Tamar Novas. Uh, Gil is played by Tony Corvillo, Lucia played by Mariam Torres, Angela played by Arena Bravo, Vicky Victoria Tahujo. Sandra, played by Mary Ruiz. Andres, played by Edu Bunez. I mean, that's probably it. You know, there's it's basically one person for the majority of the film. You know, the gist is this. Set in a dystopian future, Spain has been turned into a dictatorship where its government plans to eradicate children, pregnant women, and elderly to deal with the lack of resources. 
The plot follows a pregnant woman separated from her husband while trying to flee the country to Ireland. Then she finds herself herself has to survive a break break breathtaking days inside a container in the heart of the sea. So um yeah, that's it. Now this type of film I'm always like fascinated you know by those films that um kind of deal with just one person right when you think of those um those sort of films we had what well, i think there was it was buried you know that ryan reynolds film there was another film that came out um during lockdown when a woman's called, I think it, I think it was called Oxygen, right? So there was that one. I think there's another one coming where someone's trapped in a tube, right? So those kind of, because it's just, are they able to tell a story that is captivating? That's always the big thing with something like that. Can they captivate the audience when it's just one person in a sole location? You know, that is always the thing which just fascinates me. Now, it, you know, we don't start off with that. So, yeah, it's it's meant to be this future. Now, the only reason we know it's a future because you know, they're talking about, oh, there's this new policy to kill women, pregnant, um, well, pregnant women, the elderly and kids. That's the only thing. You kind of think you would keep the kids, right? Because that's the future. So if you kill all the kids, then yeah, you could be fucked. You could be done, you know? So it, the rationale doesn't necessarily make sense. Right, you technically, if you were doing something like that, you'd put the cut off an elderly at say 60 or 70, something like that. So anyone over that age has to die. Yeah, hey, I'm not saying do it, but I'm just saying if if you were doing something like that, it makes no sense to kill the pregnant women and the kids, right? That's kind of baffling. No, you would kill old people, you would kill the ill people, people in, you know, life support, all of that kind of, any, anything like that, they're dead, you know, so I think the, just that kind of notion as a premise doesn't necessarily make any sense, but they need to get to Ireland, so they, you know, we, we see people, and we've seen it in films before, people like smuggling onto a container or something to try and get somewhere. Now, this is when it gets squirrely, I would say, because there's a bit when they're in the container, they're both together, and for whatever reason, the husband goes to the very front, right? And then when the doors open, he doesn't move back, he just stands there, right? And so you know exactly what's going to happen, and you're just like, that just feels so forced, 
because there was no need to be where he was. You know what I mean? Like, if you want to separate them, create something in the story where you'd be like, oh, that makes sense. If they came, open up the container, like, met all the men out, right? You'd be like, oh, fuck, right? Or something like that. You'd be like, okay, yeah. That's maybe more of a logical thing, but the way they tried, they well, the way they tried, the way they did it, you're just scratching your head at like, why would you do that? That is some ridiculous shit, right? So yeah, she's just in this container, and yeah, I think when you're like, you would understand. Look, I've not smuggled myself in a container. But, right, you've been, I think a lot, you, people have been maybe on a boat, right, a boat on choppy waters, or maybe a fairground ride where you're not fully secure, and you're kind of moving all over the shop, or just in a car speeding, you know, and yeah, you can get thrown about, right? So, the notion of securing yourself, you think it's a logical one, but we we have all of, so many things happen that you just think that didn't need to happen, right? Or why would you? There's, there's a waste, a crazy wastage of food, water, and when I say wastage, right, you would think I need to preserve what I have. Right? I'm going to take small little bites. I'm going to take small little gulps of water in case I'm in here for a long time. But we do not get that. Right? We do not get that. The, the fact that she's pregnant and the extent of her pregnancy is, well, I mean, that in itself is kind of crazy. But she wraps her stomach. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't believe that wrapping your stomach when you are that pregnant is going to hide the fact you're pregnant. It's not going to do it. Right? So... Yeah, you just have to really suspend your rational mind when watching this film. Now, she's walking around on this container, right? Walking around on it, going up to the edge. And you're just like, hey, we understand the sea is shoppish. Look, the sea is choppy. You know, you you don't know when a big wave might just throw things. So walking up to the it's it's peculiar because you could just fall, right? But there was none of that. There was none of that. Which you know, at one point the thing's moving all over the place, but the minute she gets on top, no, now it's more stable. You just yeah. It's weird, right? Eating raw fish. Now, you can definitely do that, right? Now, eating raw fish 
like this is different from sushi. <laughs> but you still can do that. But you feel it, it, it's going to take your stomach a little second to adjust, right? You would imagine the first fish that you do, you're throwing up, you know? But you have to get used to it, which you will, but it's not going to be all smooth sailing, right? So, yeah, there, there's so much in this film. Phone batteries, just so many things, right? The placement of items, right? Having someone drop things and you're just like, why would you, you wouldn't be so clumsy with a thing when that could be the lifeline to life, right? There are, oh yeah, I just thought the story makes no sense in so many things that we see go down. So many things. It's just like the hole in the roof, it's jacked. We know she's got a container with some clothes in it. So you would just naturally put it around something around the edge just because it is fucking jagged. Right? It's just simple little things like that. <sighs> I I do wonder how much we lose in translation. All right, because obviously this is a Spanish language film that they have dubbed, right? Well, I mean, depending on what language setting you choose to put it on. But if you're trying to, you know, hear it in English, it's dubbed, right? And when they dub, they oftentimes will change a sentence, right? Because it doesn't naturally translate or they add words, right? So... Yeah, there's certain things, like, there's certain things she says, you're just like, hey, who's, that sounds so crazy as a, like, who's saying that, saying it like that, and you do think that could just be in a translation, you know, but story-wise, I'm not sold, right, I, I would say Oxygen, I would say very definitely far superior films, but if you want something a bit mindless, maybe this will work, right, there's this whole bit when she's wearing clothes, but she takes all her clothes off, and you're just like, why, right, you, you're just like, I don't buy that she's going to do that, right, I'm, I'm just not buying it. It, it, it's, it's silliness, and the end, the end is infuriating. Oh my god, it is just so dumb, so dumb. But look, that's just me. You might like it. And again, if you watch it in native Spanish or just do subtitles, it may um come across in a completely different way. But yeah. Nowhere is now on Netflix, so uh, yeah, people, maybe you'll want to check it out. Now we finally got a chance to look at Adam Driver's sci-fi joint 65.
Okay, people, so 65. I was really interested in this film. So, yeah, just got around to watching it. It is written and directed by Scott Beck and Brian Woods, right? They continue to work as that team. Uh, the film is then produced by Sam Rani, Sam Raimi, right? Um, Brian Woods, Scott Beck, Zainab Aziz, uh, Deborah Leibling. It is executive produced by Douglas C. Merrifield, Aaron L. Gilbert, Jason Clough, and Marianne Brandon. It is um, co-produced by Dave Kaplan and Saj Maraboyina, right, with um, some help from Makada Kelleher. So Danny Elfman and Chris Bacon handled the music. Salvador Tatini was uh, cinematography. Josh Schaefer and Jane Tones handle editing duties. Nancy Nea casting. Production design, we've got Kevin Ishoka. Art direction is Chris Crane, Kelly Curley, and David Storm. Costume design is Michael Kaplan. Right. Um, hair and makeup is Alexis Continent, Deborah Denson, Kay Gregoru, Jennifer Jane, Stacey Kelly, Mary Larkin, Stacey Perry, and Mike Smithson. So our cast. Well. Adam Driver is Miles. Right. His wife is played by Nikia King. His daughter, Naveen, is played by Chloe Coleman. And then there's Koya, played by Arena Greenblatt. And Brian Adair voices the ship. So that's the cast. Very small. Right. And the gist of the film is this. After a catastrophic crash, pilot Miles quickly discovers he's actually stranded on an unknown planet. Now with only one chance at rescue, Miles must use well, Miles must make his way across an unknown terrain, riddled with dangerous prehistoric creatures in an epic fight to survive. Dump. So, yeah, there you go with that. Now, I, you know, initially I thought this was um, set in our time, right? And a guy, well, no, set in the future and a guy goes back in time, right, somehow and starts fighting dinosaurs. Not quite, right? So we initially have Miles with his family on another planet, right? It's like, I think it opens up saying it's a planet similar to Earth, you know, millions and millions of miles away, all of that jazz, right? So he's on a planet, 
with his wife and daughter. We find out his daughter's ill, so he go. He's taken this job to get the money to, you know, cure her. Right, pay for the operations. The the weird thing is, we get the name of his daughter. We don't get a name for the wife. We do not get a name for the wife, which seems really weird. So he's on this shit, and yeah, there, there's like this asteroid belt that came out of nowhere, which you would have thought there would be contingencies in case something like this happens. It's not like asteroids don't exist, you know, but there's no weapons or anything. So, yeah, this ship gets battered to fuck, crash lands on a planet, and that planet is Earth, right? Our Earth, but of the time of the dinosaurs. So that's where it all kind of fits in. So, um, yeah, basically everyone gets killed, but there's one survivor, Koya. So he has to go and save her and then work out how they're getting home. And that, I mean, that's all sounds fine, right? All sounds fine. The special effects are not the best, right? The initial when you see the ship and it's coming towards the asteroids and everything, it, it looks extremely fake. Oh, my God, it looks very fake, which is a shame. It's a shame. Um, and the dinosaurs don't look bad. That's probably the best bit, the dinosaurs. Though we do get some goofy stuff, right? There's, if you think about it, right? If a dog came at you, and we've seen these bully XLs, right? But, you know, anything like a bulldog, a rockviler, a nastiff, any of those, they are so strong, right? Trying to fight, they fuck and kill adults. They, they'll destroy a kid, but they will kill an adult too. And you have to think a dinosaur is probably similar, if not stronger for sure, <coughs> you know? So there's a bit where he's like, fighting off little dinosaurs and it's just like that might technically be a small dinosaur it's gonna fuck you up right there's no you know there's no it's like crocodiles and alligators and just those like small ones of those will fuck you up yeah so it, it, that all got a bit and then out running outrunning any film right where there's a scene and someone's outrunning like a bear or a, you know a big cat of some type or anything like that you just go no no right when i was younger i thought i could outrun a crocodile right i was just like boy you know what i mean if i ever found myself in a situation i'll just outrun it it's Fine. I then discovered crocodiles can run like basically faster than Usain Bolt. And I was like, okay, 
Well, that's a problem because I think Usain runs slightly faster than me. Just slightly. Let's not get crazy, people. You know what I mean? So it's just like, oh, so I'm not outrunning a crocodile. You also think, oh, I'll climb a tree. But then you learn they can go without food for months. So that motherfucker is just going to wait you out. You know what I mean? So it's just like, okay, that's not going to work. So when you have these scenes of people outrunning dinosaurs, you're just like, that's that's really not happening. And it's even especially when the dinosaur is basically on top of you, right? If you had a head start, you're still getting caught. But if it's basically, there's no way, there's no way you're outrunning that, Martha. It's just some craziness, you know what I mean? So, yeah, there's that, which is kind of goofy, you know? Um, or other things. Well, at the beginning, he's in a spacesuit, but towards the end, when they do the final thing, he takes it off, and you're just like, wouldn't you want the suit, right? It, it, it's some sort of protection. So any protection you can have in this environment, you'd think you'd want. So it's kind of baffling that he dumps the suit. The other, other thing, right, so the, the whole Koya thing and the language and just all of that, it's fine. But the whole, you know, picking up his language was a bit like, okay, that was real fast. They, they've not been on that planet for long. So that's kind of, I'm not sure about any of that. You also don't really get, I think Chloe Coleman, who plays his daughter, she's great in this, right? Because we really see so many different emotions from her. Happiness, sadness, frustration, anger, like just so many illness. Like she does a really tremendous job of doing that loneliness, right? love it's all there we don't really get that same sort of range from koya right so arena greenblatt's character now it's not saying she's a bad actress she's not it's just the role didn't really seem to give her a whole lot you know and the wife as i said we don't get a name for her we do not get a name for his fucking wife, which is so weird. Like, what Nakia King does in the, you know, moment, brief moments we see her, she is well. She does a good job. But I didn't understand why there's no, you know, faults of the wife in the film, right? He's only ever, the only flashback and memories and things is of his daughter. And I get, yeah, of course you'll think of your daughter. But you're telling me there's no fault of the wife, right? There's no missing, you know, a kiss, a hug, a touch, right? Remembering the first time they met. You know, just all of these things, promises you made as you're trying to get back 
yeah, I, I, it, they, you know, what I mean, this happens all the time, right? They, they will always show someone thinking of the kid rather than their part, and I think it's weird. I, I, I think it's weird, right? You married someone, so you don't care about them, right? And of course you care about your kids, but you would care about that fucking person too, you know? So yeah, I was super baffled why there was no thought of her. They do a thing with quicksand, which, you know, we know isn't true, right? We, it doesn't work like that. So that was weird. You know, it's, look, the film, if you want something mindless, it could work for you. But it just seemed like they had really missed an opportunity to make a really fun, crazy, silly sci-fi actioner, you know? Because also the other weird thing is, right, the, the dinosaurs, they, they didn't necessarily come across many. And you're thinking, because we know, right? So back early days of America, you have the indigenous peoples, right? Mad buffaloes around, so many buffalo around, because there was nothing that was there. You know, the gun didn't, the, like the buffaloes got wiped out with the gun, not the bow and arrow. Right, not the slingshot, the gun. So without something that can really mow things down, like they will flourish, there will be greater numbers. So you're thinking there's no guns. So there should have been more dinosaurs around, more animals around. But really, there was not. There wasn't that many. Now, it probably came down to a budgeting thing. You know, we can't afford a crazy amount of effects. But it doesn't have to be crazy big dinosaurs. Like, it, a range of other animals could have been around. You know, food sources, just all of that. You know, it just what happens when you go into a jungle. It's not just tigers, right? You, it's not just leopards. You see a, all manner of different kind of creature. You know, but yeah, 65, it's a uh, bit of a shame, bit of a shame, man. I really wanted this to be great, but it's available on all streaming platforms. So if you want to check it out, yeah, have fun. <laughs> Next up, we got the Shudder Anthology series with its new installment. It is VHS 85. Well, people, we have got a new installment of the VHS Anthology series hitting Shudder. This one is VHS. S no 85 okay so um you know like previous installments we have it split 
into segments, right? So the hmm, umbrella segment, right? The branching piece is called Total Copy. That is directed by David Bruckner. We then go to No Wake, which is from Mike P. Nelson. Then it's God of Death by Gigi Saul Guerrero. Uh, then we got Techno God from Natasha Kermani. Um, and Dream Kill, right from Scott Durkin, Dirksen, Derrickson, Dirksen, Derrickson, you know the dude, right? Um, writing, we have got. C. Robert Carhill, uh, Zoe Cooper, Scott Durkinson, Evan Dixon, Mike P. Nelson, and Gigi Saul Guerrero. Right, producing the series is Chad Villalela, Radio Silence, Brad Miska, James Harris, Josh Goldblum. Tyler Gillette, David Bruckner, and Matt Bettinelli-Olpin. Executive producing is Adam Borstein, uh, Michael Schreiber, and um, Narini Hakapion. Oh, I butchered that name. Apologies. Stephen Luckack handled the music. Alexander Chinchi and Nick Junkers-Fed were on cinematography. Amanda Day and Jeffrey Gaffner handled the casting. Production design is Ariel Vida and Christopher Gaza. Set decoration, we have Courtney Wimberly. Megan Rebecca is on hair and makeup and the cast. Well, like the listings all over the place. So I'm just going to give you the actors involved. Okay. We have got Freddie Rodriguez, James Ranson, Jordan Belfi, Danny Deep. Chelsea Grant, Alex Gallic, Marcio Moreno, Justin Jones, Ari Gallegas, Anna Sundberg, Forrest Hart Hall, Andrew Gah, Eric Pearson, Tyler Noble, Duffy McManus, Philippe Delara, Anna Hashizum. Tom Reed, Evie Blair, Nicholas Crickler, Murray Nelson, and Rene Waboski. So the gist, right? An anonymous broadcast brings viewers forgotten nightmares of the 1980s. A disaster recovery crew unleashes the wrath of an ancient god, a lake that brings the dead back to life. A performance art piece makes contact with a creature from beyond and all guns out undead bloodbath 
and a disturbing vision of videotaped murders. Ooh, sounds very ominous, right? Now, I wasn't, for whatever reason, I couldn't really vibe with uh, the last installment, 99. And it didn't, for me, feel as cohesive as earlier editions. But this one, this one feels like we're back, baby. You know what I mean? Like, it's very creepy. Very creepy. Like, the opening, um, you know, the, the bridging piece from Bruckner, right, tonal, um, ugh, what's it called, tonal, uh, copy, tonal copy, total copy even, I mean, yo, that gets, I mean, like, because it's this whole research science project, and, like, if you're not paying attention, you don't, quite realize what it is, you know, because just the wording they use, right, you, you think, uh, Reggie, Reggie, Reese, ah, it begin with an R, is a, you know, just an everyday boy, but he's not quite, like, just seems, you know, but then when you actually look, you're like, oh, okay, something isn't quite right. And so we just, because it's like the the bridging piece, so we, you know, we're getting these little snippets and you're, you're trying to piece together what the fuck is going on. And it's just, whoa, yeah, that's very troubling, right? The, the um, no wake is crazy, right? Because you think, oh, it's a coming of age story. It just feels like these kids on an adventure. But then everything goes crazy, right? And you think it's done, but then we go, go into this whole other level of like, just oh, what the hell? So that and the like the repercuss the repercussions are very good. I enjoyed that. I, I definitely enjoyed that one. Um, the third segment, right? The God of Death. That one was trickier for me. So this is um, the one from Gigi Saul Guerrero, and it's. Because it's in Mexican, so we got subtitles. But the subtitles don't, and it's uh, it's the pet peeve, right? The subtitles do not have the solid block behind them. So we've got this white text most of the time on a light background. So it it made it impossible to really read a lot of those. Now, what the visuals were good right, everything, and just doing this, um, you know, disaster relief crew, that was, it, it was interesting to look at visually, right, because I'm just trying to think, like, have I seen, like, a horror kind of around a natural disaster like that before, and I wasn't sure, 
wasn't sure. I couldn't, nothing came to mind. But yeah, it, it was just a problem because, you know, I had no clue what actually was happening. Right, the um, Techno God, which is spelled T-K-N-O-G-D. This one is is crazy because it's like a tech a TED talk gone wrong. But you're not quite sure how wrong at the beginning. So it's interesting seeing how they're doing it. It's kind of it gives you some kind of Tron vibes, you know. But yeah, it, it's good, but then just also pretty grim because it's just like you know, it's a talk, so it's in front of an audience, and you're just like, yo, <laughs> oh my gosh, right, so then after that, we, uh, we go to Dream Kill, and this one, boy, this one is very, uh, it's an, it, it, it's, it's crazy, because, you know, you're wondering what's actually happening because there's these tapes and there's kids and the police and just all this stuff. And you're just thinking, wait, how does, and then when you find out and you're like, oh, right. And it's like, boy, it's, it's, it's definitely well done. And I think with a few of them, because it's, you know, the camera and everything like that, I like the fact that we, it's not always clear shots of what's happening, right? And you've got the person shooting, and then sometimes they turn the camera around, or if they're shot, then the camera might lower, or if they're, you know, so everything's moving, and it feels like someone is filming this thing, you know, so yeah, even though you're like, oh man, I need to see what the fuck's happening there, you're like, but that's pretty cool, it's pretty cool that we've got this weird angle, right, or it's moved away because that's what would happen, you know, so I think it, it shot very well, right, it feels like the 80s, tonally, it definitely feels like the 80s, and for me as well, it seemed that the stories were doing some different things that I have seen before. Now, as you know, people, horror isn't necessarily my go-to. It's well, I think that, like, you know, there's no even point being late. Like, it's not necessary. No, it's definitely not. <laughs> it's not my go-to. You know what I mean? But yeah, I dug it. I, I did dig this one. I, 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 it worked so much better than the previous. I really enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, the, the, you know, the stories like No Wake, right? Drink. Yeah, I thought they were very good. And they could have been longer as well. I think, though, like a lot of these stories definitely could be like feature length. Actually, all of them could be feature length, essentially. You know, they were that intriguing that you're like, oh, man, I, I wish I, I got more of this, you know. So that was great. Now, this will be hitting Shudder 
on, I believe it is the 6th of October, right, so Friday the 6th of October, people, you know, if you're a fan of the VHS anthologies, you know, if you like the Scar Package ones, then this is for you, you know, and I, I will, as I said, I feel this has gone back to like the quality of the the one before 99 which i cannot remember which which one that was but yeah i mean we're back there so uh yeah if if you enjoy i mean if you enjoyed 99 you're gonna love 85 you know what i mean because i just feel it's boom it's just better so yeah people mark it down sip of october VHS is back, and this time we're in the 80s, baby. And it's time for a remaster from Studio Canal. It is Cry the Beloved Cunt. Okay, people, so as part of Studio Canal's Vintage Classics, um, you know, imprint, they will be re-releasing the uh, 1951 film, Cry the Beloved Country. Right, they have remastered it for 4K, and it will be released on the 9th of October, on Blu-ray and DVD, okay, so this film was directed by Zoltan Korda, it was written by Alan Patton and John Howard Lawson, and it's actually adapted from Patton's 1948 novel of the same name. The uh, film is produced by uh, both Corda and Patton. The music was handled by Raymond Galios Montabon. Uh, Robert Kraska was on cinematography. David Eddy edits the piece. Wilfred Shingleton, art direction. Costume design is Maisie Kelly. Hair and makeup, we've got Peter Evans and William Bell. Production management is Jack Swinburne. Okay, so our cast, we have got Reverend Steven, Reverend Stephen Kumalo, played by Canada Lee. Um, Charles Colston is played by James, is, ah, plays James Jarvis, right, his wife Margaret Jarvis is played by Joyce Carey, uh, who else do we have, his son Arthur Jarvis is played by Henry Bluvenfall, right, we then have got uh, Reverend Miss Mangu, played by Sydney Portier. 
There's Father Vincent, played by Jeffrey Keane. Uh, Mary, played by Vivian Clinton. Martens, played by Michael Goodleaf. Mrs. Kamuli uh, um, is played by Albertina Temba. Um, yeah, Stephen's brother, John Kamula, is played by Edric Connor. Uh, and his son, Absalom, is played by Lionel Nogakan. Uh, there's Sibiku, played by Charles McRae. Captain Jasvalt, played by Bruce and Meredith Smith. Frank Smith, played by Bruce Anderson. And Gertrude. Right, um, Stephen's sister, played by Ribon Dalamani. So, uh, yes, the gist of the uh, story is this, right? In his last role on screen, the outstanding Canada Lee plays Kamulu, Stephen Kamulu, a hard-up Zulu priest who journeys from a small village in rural South Africa to Johannesburg in search of his missing son and sister. The findings of this good man come as a blow, as blows one by one. First, that his sister is a prostitute, and then that his son has been arrested and sentenced to death for the shooting of an important white man. Back in the village, Jarvis, a rich white father, indifferent to the injustices imposed by the apartheid, hears of the murder of his son. Through this tragedy, Jarvis learns that his son was a great activist opposed to the oppression of black South Africans, and thus comes to have a new understanding of their struggle. So yeah, adapted by Alan Patton from his renowned classic novel of the same name and directed by Zoltan Korda. This is the story of two men from very different backgrounds who are united through the tragic deaths of their sons and whose extensions of the hand of friendship to one another eventually brings a hope of peace among the bitter turmoil of South African survival. South African society. So, uh, yeah. Now, this was um, shot in South Africa, right? And, like, the craziness is because of apartheid, right? So, um, Lee and Portier had to pretend to be servants of the director these, you know, white people and black people not meant to associate, right? So that was the only way they could do it, which is just crazy. It's crazy. And I think with this film, you know, you have to think about when it was made, right? Because looking at it now, you know, you just think, Hey, there's a lot of things that happen, right? Like the the change in the father. But it, it was like Monster's Ball, right? And I know I've referenced that film so often, right? Billy Bob Thornton, racist, 
meets Halle Berry, and all of a sudden he's changed, right? And we see no actual transformation. We don't see it. People don't just, boom, change, right? It's a process. So it's not saying someone can't, but it's a process, right? And so, you know, it's a similar thing with this. The father just suddenly changes, reads some letters and suddenly changes. And it's just like, mm, no. If you thought a certain way, and especially then, right, when the norm was segregation, you're not suddenly just going to change like that. But, you know, as I said, this was made during those times, you know, so it's like trying to show what could be possible, like people weren't really doing that. So the fact that, you know, Patton did that in his book, I mean, that is pretty big. That is a big thing, you know what I mean? It's like, um, yeah, a lot of, you know, when you look at the, the techniques used in this film, right, like to show, it's like stoicism and fear, and it's just a character doesn't say anything when asked questions. You know, what happened? And then just like, look into the distance and shake a little, right? That's meant to show it, and you're just like, Hmm. Okay. But again, you know, it, it's a film very much of its time, right? Made in 51, you know, so like you're, you're, you're watching it and the sound is very up and down, you know, but yeah, you didn't have the same equipment and understanding and knowledge back then around you know sound and lighting cinematography just all of these things right so yeah it, it, it's hard to look at it and without just being like i mean it's kind of goofy in places you know we have that classic one of people just being like i think i'm dying now i'm dead Right, which you're just like, oh, yeah, no, that doesn't happen. <laughs> it doesn't go down like that. But just, you know, just it feels like little women, just, you know, all of those things. That's what people did, right? We see that in this film. But, it, it, you know, it's highlighting issues. That's the big thing with this film. It's highlighting these issues, right? Desegradation, the effect of apartheid, right? The fact that you know, they went from the village thinking Johannesburg, this big, this big place, right? Life must be better. And then you realize, oh, life is not better there. Not better at all. Oosh. Right? It's people's perceptions on things, black and white. You know, all of that is there. And I think, you know, during that time, during 51, it is a, as I said, look, it's a big thing to show these things, right? Like now, like you, you this, this wouldn't really cut the, I mean, it wouldn't cut the mustard. You just think, ah, oh, man, it's not really, you know, I mean, capturing what this was. It's not really 
showing, right, how, like, tough it would be in that situation, you know, it's not really doing that, but in 51, these were huge steps, you know, I mean, this was incredible to do this kind of thing, so I think, yeah, you have to be very um, conscious of that when looking at this film. Because, yeah, it, it, it's easy to scoff and judge without, you know, thinking about the constraints of that period. Especially shooting in friggin' South Africa. That's like, yo, I mean... I don't know if you'd get me going to do that, right? Just the fear of what possibilities could go down, you know, is kind of crazy. Is kind of crazy. But yes, Studio Canal are bringing this to Blu-ray and DVD. So on the special features, there's an interview with Canada Lee, um, from Mona Z. Smith, right? Um, an interview from 1990 with Lionel Nugakan, who plays Absalon in the film. Um, there's a featurette called In Darkest Hollywood. Um, another African mirror footage of the world premiere. Um, there's uh, something with Alan Patton. Right, and behind the scenes steals. So you get all of that. Right. So the DVD the DVD is 91 minutes. The Blu-ray is 96. Uh, there will be subtitles on it. So yeah. I mean, if if you like your old school films, you you know. You like looking at these in that historical context, right? And seeing classic actors like, uh, you know, Canada Lee, Sidney Portier, Charles Carson, and the likes, then, yeah, you may want to pick this up, people, right? As mentioned, it will drop on the 9th of October. Right, that is, I feel that, I think that's a Tuesday, if I remember correctly. Dum, dum, dum. No, it's Monday. Monday, uh, the 9th of October. So, yes, the links for the um, DVD pre-orders will be on the website, right? So, um, yeah, there you go. That is, you know, Cry the Beloved country 1951 film people remastered 4k so yeah mark it down 9th of october and um you know a little bit of history for you people a little bit of history and let's end things with the new Hulu original, it is The Meal.
So, people, the meal, right? It's a new Hulu original for their Halloween output. It is directed by Sean King O'Grady, written by Jeffrey David Thomas. It's produced by Josh Feldman, Jesse Ford, Lil Ray Howery, and Sean King O'Grady. It is executive produced by um, R.B. Pedrosian, Amy Williams, Brooke L. Goldner, Barbara Golder, uh, Jenna Caval, David Brooks, and Miles Alva. It's co-produced by Paul Irwin. So David Chapdelan handled the music. Seamus Tierney, cinematography, Sean Patrick Ford edits the piece, Amy Williams is on production design, art direction is Colin Dürr and Saskia Travanza, uh, set decoration is Lucas A. Dijanalama, uh, Maureen Reese handles the costume design, and the film stars uh, Lil Ray Howry, he plays uh, Joe. Um, his wife, Kate. Kate? Yeah, Kate is played by Karen Oblim. Um, then you have Pat Healy as HR and Scoot McNeary, I believe, is Joe's neighbor as it were. Okay, so the gist is this. A businessman mysteriously wakes up in an open-air prison with only an old grist mill. I didn't realize it was open-air. Hmm. Um, in in an um, old grist mill, forced to work as a beast of burden, he must find a way to escape before the birth of his child. So, yeah, that, that's the thing, right? You wonder what it is, right? Because you think, oh, is this, is he on a stag do or something? Because, yeah, he, you just have a guy, he's lying on the ground and he's kind of groggy waking up, right? And he's in this kind of, like, just barren, yeah, barren cell room, you know? And then you notice there's this meal in the middle. I know it's a meal because of Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, you've got that. But, yeah, he's in a, a three-piece suit. Yeah? Three-piece suit with trainers, which mm, not ever really a fact. And especially trainers with stuff on. If they were just plain trainers, I'd be more like, hmm. I guess, but, you know, it's still not my favorite look in the world. You feel me? But, yeah, he that, that, that's how he wakes up. And then we get this computer, Mallard, right, talking to him, explaining things to him about what he needs to do, you know? And then there's this voice coming from the, you, you assume opposite cell 
adjoining soul um giving him like okay this is this is the rundown right is there some like we see it in prison films you know the celly is like hey fish Th this is these are the rules this is how you survive in this place right and this voice is kind of giving him that gist and he's given you know information on what to do right so it's just like how yeah how does he get out of this what what's the, what's the actual situation is this like sore what is it right and occasionally like throughout there's flashbacks to his life because it's kind of like he's told this is punishment type of thing for you know your your performance slipping right and obviously he's like oh i'm all i do everything and but which look you know that's not always the truth you know what i mean like people will turn up late they leave early you know what i mean they don't put in as much work right and we're told that he's taken more sickness days and we see the, he, these flashbacks, right, where even though he's denying things, some of the things are kind of like, hmm, okay, okay. But, yeah, we see him with his wife. He's about to have a baby. You know, so we get all of this. Now, I think as an idea, it's, not, you know, this is not bad. We've kind of seen similar things in stuff like uh, the Twilight Zone, Outer Limits, you know what I mean? Because this is kind of sci-fi, right? It's set in a future with more advanced AI and stuff, but kind of grounded into today's reality. So we've seen similar kind of concepts done before, right? Um, so the idea isn't bad. I think... Mean, the issues I have with it is he's told certain information and he does not adhere to that information, right? And then it's just like, oh, I mean, how am I ever going to get out of here? And it's just like, okay, if he at least did the things he was asked to do, then... And did them, you know, you you understand you'd have to you would understand that you gotta do it multiple times, right? It's not just a one and done, right? If this is a punishment, right, you don't do something once and it's like, okay, everything's cool now. No, it you would do something repetitively for a period of time and then it's all sorted. But we don't get that. And then it's you know, like he's fucking right like he's told certain things right this is what you should do never do this thing boom 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 right and i think you know i i think it's fair to go could i trust this information but when certain things have been proven to be true you'd think that you go okay if that's true then that other thing is possibly true Right. But he ignores, ignores stuff told and then moans about the consequences. So it doesn't necessarily 
like the logic of it of someone in that situation i it's hard to fully buy that someone's going to be you know this stupid as it were you know it's nonchalant about the information being told to them and also there's a there's well there's three big things for me so he's talking to the guy in the cell next to him and they can hear each other right and the volume of that right but that would and you know you also have like other conversations now here's the big thing right so the computer is talking to him going oh yes this is your today's goal this is what you need to do blah 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 you'd think the comp you'd hear the computer in other cells right so he would hear his neighbor's computer because if you can hear the neighbor talking to you that means you'd be able to hear the computer right so that bit's a bit weird that doesn't make any sense also he's in this thing for like you think a few months a few months at least stubble beard hair doesn't change doesn't change right which is always a peeve about these sort of films where someone's meant to be in a situation for a while but their their facial hair never changes never and you're like um you know you usually have to shave at least once a week right at least you know I mean multiple times a week man so how is it this motherfucker being in this for like you know months but the tight lines are still there, you know? You, you, you scratch your head, you're like, what are we seeing? What are we seeing? Also, you're pushing a meal all day for days on end, but there's no physical change, right? You would see, they're not getting given high-end food here. Right, it's minimal food. So there would be a body composition change. So it's just like, what? You know what I mean, they, they just don't make any sense. Just those aspects for me. And I'm like, yo, if you just change those, I'm in. I'm fully in. But when you, for me, people, for me, when you don't take those things into consideration, it's hard to believe in the scenario, right? Because you're just like, well, obviously you're not in there for a long time because of the hair, because of the body, because of this, because of that, you know? It's just those things, man. Like the end, like, the kind of idea wasn't terrible it did feel a little bit neat right and then the last thing we hear right the last thing you hear you're just like 
how how right i mean you don't you don't believe it you do not believe it oh another thing right you have him shouting a lot and it's just like in that situation you you have limited water limited food you're doing all of this exercise so you'd be so tired especially if you're not in the greatest shape right you're not going to be shouting you you just wouldn't be able to shout as much your voice is going to be fucked you know you'd be going to be kind of croaky hey i fucking mad for fuck's sake, you know what I mean? It's not gonna be, hey, yo, wait, 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 wait. it's not gonna be that, right? So I think they got the aesthetics, they got the vibe nearly there, but there's just these key ingredients for me that were wrong, that were wrong, you know? And it, and it takes you out of this environment, right? This, this scenario of what this film is. But yeah, that could just be me, right? I, I think it does kind of fit into that whole saw ambiance without the torture, right? So I think if you like those sorts of films, I think the mill could work in that regard right if you like you know the outer limits the burning zone you know twilight zone if those are your jam i think the meal will again work for you you know it's definitely a different role for lil ray howry you know because you can say he was in get out but he wasn't a part of the craziness of get out you know, so this is, yeah, this is, the, yeah, I would say this is, you know, it's interesting seeing him stretch his legs, do different type of things. But yeah, people, this um, is going to be available on, oh gosh, what's the friggin' date for this one again? It is the i believe oh god my memory is gone it's either the sit for the ninth it's either the sit for the ninth yeah i'll pull it but look the date will be on the website so um you know go go there for the exact date but it's either the sit for the ninth okay so if this sounds like you hulu the meal I imagine Disney Plus stars the rest of the world. So, yeah. Enjoy, people. Enjoy. Okay, people. It is coming up to that fantastic time of year, right? The BFI London Film Festival. And this is the 67th edition. Yo. You know what I mean? That's a lot. And we've covered a good few of them on Echo Chamber. Unfortunately, missed last year with illness. But, hey, fingers crossed, all is looking good for this year. So the festival starts on Wednesday, the 4th of October, running to Sunday, the 15th. 
right? It will comprise of a host of galas, and it starts off on the opening night with Saltburn. Um, we then have the closing night gala, which is The Kitchen. You know what I mean? Um, the American Express gala is One Life. The headline gala is All of Us Strangers. We have another headline gala, which is The Bike Riders. Um, another is The Book of Clarence. The Mayor of London's gala is Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget. The Connard gala is The Holdovers. They, another headline gala is The Killer. Another is Killers of the Flower Moon and Maestro, right? We have May, December, Nyad, and Poor Things. So, hey, this is definitely one to uh, pay attention to, especially when thinking about this, right? So, um, it says Saltburn. This is directed and written by Emerald Fennell. You know, it's starring Barry Keown, Jacob Elordi, Rosamund Pike, and Richard E. Grant. So, as well as the opening night, it will be playing on the 5th of October and Sunday, the 8th of October. Okay. Our closing night gala, The Kitchen. This one is directed by Kibi. Tavez and Daniel Kalua, written by Kalua and Joe Mortar, right? It's starring Kane Robinson, Jedaya Bannerman, Hope Ikpokui Jr., Taiji Cabs, and Demi Ladipu. Okay, so um, One Life, this one is directed by James Hawes, Written by Nick Drake and Lucinda Coxon, starring Anthony Hopkins, Johnny Flynn, Helena Bottomer Carter. Right, we have All of Us Strangers, which is directed by Andrew Ha. Uh, written oh, and he writes it as well. It's starring Andrew Scott, Paul Mascal, Jamie Bell, and Claire Foy. Okay. The Bike Riders is the new film from Jeff Nichols, who co-writes with Danny Lynn. It is starring Jodie Corner, Austin Butler, Tom Hardy, Michael Shannon, and Mike Feist. Um, the Book of Clarence. This, oh, I'm so looking forward to this. It's written and directed by the incredible James Samuel, who did Harder They Fall, right? I am starring a few of those cats as well. So we got Lakeith Stanfield, Omar Sy, RJ Cypher, James McAvoy, and Anna Diop. Um, Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget, is directed by Sam Fell, written by Kerry Kirkpatrick, John O'Farrell, and Rachel Tunard. We have The Holdovers, which is directed by Alexander Payne, written by David Hemmingson, starring Paul G 
Gimotti, Divine Joy Rudolph, and Dominic Sessa. There is the killer, which people, it is the new David Fincher joint, written by Andrew Kevin Walker, starring Michael Fassbender, Arlise Howard, Charles Parnell, Sophie Charla, and Tilda Swinton. Killers of the Flower Moon. I mean, need I say more? Martin Scorsese writes, well, directs and co-writes with Eric Roth. It's starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, Lily Gladstone, and Jesse Plemons. We have Maestro, right? This one is directed by Bradley Cooper, who co-writes with Josh Singer. He also stars along with Carrie Mulligan, Matt Boomer, Maya Hawke, and Sarah Silverman. May, December is um, the new outing from Todd Haynes, written by Sani, Sammy Birch, starring Natalie Portman, Juliana Moore, and Charles Melton. At Nyad, right? This is uh, directed by Elizabeth Cha Vashelli and Jimmy Chin. And oh, they're the duo behind Free Solo. Right, it's written by Julia Cox, starring Annette Benning, Jodie Foster, and Reese Ifines. And Poor Things. Right, this is the um, new film from Yagos Lafimos, written by Tony McNama, uh, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, William Defoe, and Rami Youssef. Okay, so plenty to look forward to there. We have a um, number of themic strands, right, which the films are in, and you can search via um, that way if there's certain themes that you enjoy watching, right? So there is love, there is debate, we've got laugh, we have dare, frill, cult, journey, create, Experimenta and a shorts program. Oh, as well as family, can't forget family treasures, right? Which are old films brought back. So there's the documentary strand, the LGBTQIA plus titles, um, UK titles, series, because they show there's a few TV series where episodes are being shown. Right. And expanded, which uh, is looking very interesting. So along with this, we have special presentations. Right. These have The Boy and the Heron, the new studio, Ghibli, Cobweb. Um, there's the BFI patron special presentation, The End We Start From. OK, Fallen Leaves, Foe. Um, series special presentation, Grime Kids, okay, that is from the writer of Rocks, okay, Hitman, which, um, yeah, BFI Flair special presentation, Housekeeping for Beginners, there's Les Indesrebals, uh, Memory, Documentary special presentation, Occupied City, the new Steve McQueen joint, 
right? Looking at the Holocaust. There is Priscilla, the new Sophie Capella, um, and the zone of interest. So, people, there is so much, so much to look forward to this festival, right? All the links are on the website, right? So go there and yeah, we will be covering it on Echo Chamber. So make sure you keep an eye out, right? Bookmark the um, YouTube page, you know, subscribe to the podcast, share with your peoples because we will have everything. The ticket links will be there, you know, and I will give you my honest opinions on everything that I get to see. So people, Mark it down, the 4th to the 15th of October, the 67th BFI London Film Festival. Okay, people. So as we bring this episode to a close, let's take a look and see what's happening in the world of film, shall we? So Mattel you know, they're riding that Barbie wave and, they, you know, we know they're planning out their next lot of films. So one of those films is going to be Barney, right? David, um, no, Daniel Kalua is attached. We don't know how, right? How, if he's going to star, direct, any of that kind of stuff. There was a point where we were told that this was going to be like a subversive, crazy film. But um, Mattel CEO, um, Jan Kritz, has recently come out and said on Deadline, uh, it's too early to be specific, but I can tell you we are taking a fresh approach that will be fun, entertaining and culturally orientated it will be an it will not be an odd movie culturally orientated i don't even know what that means right because i don't know i was too old for barney but i just felt it was a kid show right don't know we'll see we will see will it be as big as barbie to various people i doubt it right I'm not sure you're going to get lightning in a bottle twice, but we will keep an open mind. So Spawn, right? It's a long-running comic book from Todd McFarlane. It had a um, terrible film <laughs> in the 90s. Oh, my God, so bad, right? But supposedly the HBO cartoon series was dope, but we didn't get that over here as far as I'm aware. It might be on some obscure channel somewhere, but I ain't ever seen it, people. Now, um, a deal has been made for a new film. It's coming from Bloomhouse, right? And, you know, it's been kind of up in the air when and what, right? But, um, yeah, word has recently come, right, from Jason Bloom, that uh, the film will be dropping in 25, 
right? That's what he has said. He made a, you know, he actually said 2025 is when Spawn is going to come out. I stand by that. I stand by that. So, um, yeah, we will see if we get this new Spawn and um, how will it be? Right now, if you're a PS4, PS5 owner, or you have a Sony TV, this is some good news for you. Uh, so Sony Pictures, right, they re they had an app on two of their TVs, right, called Bravia Core, you know. It appeared on the Bravia TVs and the Xperia devices. They've now rebranded that app. And it will be called the Sony Pictures Core, right? And um, it will be coming to PS4 and PS5 consoles. Now, here's the thing. I don't know if it will be coming to any other TVs, if anyone else will be able to get access to this. If it's, I feel it's just a Sony thing. What it does do for you now, though, it gives you exclusive access, right, under an exclusive window to Sony Films, right? So it's a, you can buy or rent 2,000 movies, including blockbusters such as Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, Spider-Man No Way Home, Uncharted, The Equalizer, Bullet Train, and more, you know? And if you've got um well you do get sony pictures films during an exclusive early access window right um in select markets the first film with early access is gran turismo and if you have the playstation plus premium or deluxe memberships you get access to a curated catalog of up to 100 movies through the app. So, yeah, you know, that that's like, if you're a big Sony fan, right, you like the films they're putting out, that's pretty good news for you, right? Now, um, Mike Flanagan, you know, he has been the person to really, it seems, to breathe life into Stephen King's material, right? He's adapted a few of King's books and short stories, right? And it's not letting up because he has got a new project, The Life of Chuck, right? It's um, going to be starting filming very soon. And it's following a, a guy called Charles Krantz, right? Um, yeah, it unfolds in reverse. Beginning with Krantz's death from a brain tumor at 39 and ended with his childhood in a supposedly haunted house. Like, this is from King's If It Bleeds Anthology, which came out in 2020. So Tom Hiddleston is going to be playing Krantz and Mark Hamill is going to be playing a character called Albie. So, uh, yeah, if you're a fan of that anthology, that's good news for you people. You know what I mean? 
Now, um, Disney, right? All the Star Wars films are on Disney Plus. Well, if you don't have Disney Plus, don't worry. Well, if you're in the States and you have other Disney channels, right, such as ABC, FX, Freeform, and the like, because those films will now be hitting those platforms as well. Right, this is all some licensing agreement with Warner Brothers um, and Turner Networks, right? Because, you know, there was distribution deals and all of that with those original six films. Well, original three and then the terrible prequels. So, um, yeah, new um, licensing has been signed, which means... Right, the films will be coming to the other Disney platforms, people. So, there you go. Right now, if you were a fan of King A Life, right, Jonathan Eag's book that dropped earlier in the year, you might be pleased to know that that is being adapted into a new Martin Luther King Jr. biopic. And it's going to be directed by and produced by Chris Rock. Mm-hmm. Yep, Rock is going to be directing and Steven Spielberg is executive producing. I think the film's coming from Amblin Partners, which also does mean that they get access to the speeches. Because I think... Amblin owned the rights to that, the film rights to those speeches, something like that. Very convoluted people. And let's end with this. So June part two, right, which we thought was going to be dropping later this year. But unfortunately, because of the motherfucking actor's strike has been pushed to the 15th of March 2024. Oh, which feels like a lifetime away, but I'm sure we're going to blink and it's there, right? But the film has just been given a PG-13 rating. I believe that's an 18 in the rest of the world. So, uh, yeah, there you go, right? So um, they, they said that's going to be for sequences of strong violence, right? And you know there's some big fights coming in this new film. You know what I mean? Definitely when Paul fights Fade, right? Just one of those things, right? They're saying brief, strong language as well. Just all them sillinesses, right? But that's it, people. We are done for another episode. I can tell you this. Next week's Echo Chamber is going to be a two-parter. The conversation is great. You don't want to miss it. Had it the other day. Yeah, it was fire, people. So keep an eye out for that. Our London Film Festival coverage continues. So go check those episodes out. All the videos are on YouTube, obviously. So go subscribe to YouTube. Subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform and share with your peoples, man. Spread the love, baby. All right. 
We will see you next week for Echo Chamber and um, probably tomorrow for more London Film Festival coverage. All right, people. Peace.